This is 51st Dates, and I'm your host, Jolie Moore. They say that hindsight is 2020. I decided to find out if that's true. Every week, I'm going to read a chapter from my memoir, 51st Dates, and give you the backstory and commentary on what really went down. It's been two whole years since I went on these dates, and I'll be experiencing them along with you as I read. We'll find out together if my future self learned anything. I don't know if I have anything figured out, but at least we'll share some laughs along the way. Dating in Southern California is nothing if not entertaining. Ready? Strap in. Let's go. This is Jolie Moore. Hi, how are you? I am recording oddly on at night. Um, usually I record in the morning, but I've been doing a lot of biking and then I'm just too tired. It's It's been a long, 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 long time. But I got the second COVID vaccine, so that makes me super happy. And uh, I'm waiting for a rollicking roaring 20s to come in because I want to do all of the things. And one of the things I think I want to do is uh, find a healthy relationship, which um, I know I keep talking about and uh, don't have any idea of how to go about it. But I was just reading about relationships because I keep thinking if I just read one more thing, then I'll get it. Um, the reason I'm reading is because I am making bad decisions. I am noticeably making bad decisions. I know I'm doing it. I'm watching myself do it. And uh, I need to stop doing it. And it's incredible to watch yourself make bad decisions. As I sit here and look at this guy, who's not here right now, obviously, although I'm babysitting his car. Yay. Um, <laughs> that's a don't even. And, uh, he's on a location shoot and, um, I offered, I did not offer, he asked and I did say yes. So I'm now babysitting his car, which I didn't think would be a big deal. And, um, usually when he's not around, I don't spend that much time like thinking about him, but I realized that when somebody's parked next to you and every time you get up and go out in your car and every time you come back home, you're like, Oh, there's that thing again. Um, but actually, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he asked me why I got married. He seems fascinated by the topic, um, as he's never been married himself, but all of his friends are married and have children. And obviously he looked up one day and tried to figure out how all these other people had made a decision that he did not make. Um, and I gave him the standard answer that I usually do. Actually, he asked me something. And I said, you know, I'm not recommending marriage. I said I was standing crying um, at the altar on my wedding day, which is true because I knew I was making a mistake. I was really, really sad about it and I was crying. And all I could think of is, I don't even know what I was thinking. I was thinking, wow, I'm making a mistake and I'm doing it in front of all these people and I'm crying and uh, I'm still gonna do it anyway. And it wasn't a great day. Uh, my ex who, um, was behaved exactly as he always did lost his temper and was screaming at people um in the park where we got married so we got married in a public park he was not thrilled with the idea of it being public 
I don't know what he was thinking. Like it was a public park. And so people like sort of wandered by, you know, to see what you're doing. And I'm the kind of person who does this. Like I see weddings. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go like just have a peek over there and see what they're doing. And um, he lost his shit. He's like, we have a permit and I don't know why you're here. And um, I wonder if those people were like, and you're going to marry this guy. Um, But who knows? It was, I was in my own like haze of crying. Um, and my mother was crying because she was upset because, um, I wouldn't let her wear a white dress, uh, to my wedding. My mother-in-law, however, did wear a white dress to my wedding. Um, so at least, (laughs) at least I got one of them. I couldn't deal with the other. Um, I ironically, or not so ironically, I guess, was not wearing a white dress to my wedding. Um, so either you, <laughs> my mother-in-law thought she was a bride, by the way, she wore a white dress to, uh, one of her other children's wedding. I don't even know what that's about. There's like a level of like sort of craziness there that I, uh, who knows? Anyway, I, um, so anyway, I was standing crying at my wedding and I was telling this guy about this. Um, so like, you know, like the next time we were talking about this, he was like, so why did you do it? And what I said to him is the same sort of glib answer I have given for years. And what I usually say to people is, oh, I did it for the health insurance. And true story, I had gotten a bladder infection, I think, or a yeast infection. I don't know, one or the other. And um, I had gone to the urgent care and I got a bill and the bill was like, it was, well, it was $600. I think now it would probably be more. And I didn't have $600. Um, I mean, I paid it, but it was, it was a hardship. And all I can think of is I live in a country where I can't even like go to get antibiotics without it costing an arm and a leg. And also, plus I had to pay for the antibiotics, um, which probably were pretty cheap, assuming they were generic. I don't remember that part. But, um, so one of the things, the benefits bestowed upon me upon marriage to my ex was indeed health insurance and uh, never got a big bill like that again. Um, Although I've been self-insured for like, you know, 20 years, that didn't last long. Um, The insurance did the job, different conversation. So I told him that and he looked at me funny and I was like, you know, whatever. But I was thinking about it today, probably when I was pulling out past his damn car. And I was thinking, that's not the truth. And I know the truth, but it's the truth is something I never say. Um, but the truth is that I had a boyfriend, um, before my ex, well, I had a couple, but I had one. There's always the one, um, the one that broke my heart. So I had this boyfriend, um, and he broke my heart. Although I broke up with him because I could see the writing on the wall. I don't know. I don't know why I broke up with him. And, um, I was so depressed that I literally like took to my bed for maybe two years. I mean, it wasn't good. And when I sort of emerged from that fog um, by graduate school, I looked up and I thought to myself, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm never going to make that mistake again. Um, I don't know if the mistake was falling in love or the mistake was getting hurt, but Either way, I was not going to make that mistake. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to strategically choose someone that I don't like and that I could never, ever fall in love with. 
and that way I will never get hurt. And that was a choice I made. I mean, my ex, like, nobody liked him. <laughs> this is shocking. Um, we were in graduate school. Nobody liked him. He was a complete ass. Um, he wore the weirdest clothes and he had a certain body odor. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud because I feel horrible about it. And all of that. And I thought, oh, well, this person is sufficiently repugnant that if I spend time with him, I will never get hurt. So I literally am not going to lie, like pursued him on this basis. And it wasn't that hard to get. And, um, that was my plan. Um, clearly that shit did not turn out well. I don't know if I could have thought, I don't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I never thought that he would be abusive. Like I hadn't thought that far ahead. And, um, I just never thought that. I don't, I don't know how I would have spotted that because I had my own agenda and my agenda had nothing to do with like discerning for any of these other things. My agenda was how can I protect myself from never getting hurt? And, um, so, you know, I dated him and then we moved in together or he moved in like 15 seconds later, red flag, I know, but I was young. And, um, at, and so the truth is like, at some point I health insurance became a thing and, uh, that was like pretty much a catalyst for like, you know, shopping for an engagement ring, which by the way I sold and, uh, getting married. That's it. There's like nothing else to it. It is like, I mean, you talk about self-sabotage. That is the biggest like self-sabotaging thing I have ever done in my entire life. Um, nobody can beat that. I mean, well, I'm sure somebody can beat that. I can't beat that. Um, but it's been on my mind because clearly I'm not making that kind of like legendary decision, bad decision again, but I watch myself make like smaller bad decisions. So my therapist would be happy to report that my bad decisions are having less impact. They're smaller and I'm spending shorter periods of time being stupid, but it's not zero. Uh, maybe it'll never be zero because I'm human. It's not zero, but um, it is concerning. Um, so I was just reading one of th- this article that um, I can't think of the name of the guy. I can't believe this. Um, who, well, wrote some book that I did read, but the article is called "Fuck Yes or Fuck No." And I've thought about that for a lot of things, like even like, I'm going to buy this car because I really like it. Or I'm going to get this purse because it's a fuck yes. But he was applying the concept to relationships. And he was like, as soon as you figure out your fuck yes or fuck no, it clarifies things. So if people are like not all in it with you, then no. Um, no like equivocating, no spinning around, no, you know, trying to like read a person like it's freaking reading tea leaves or tarot cards. If they're not like all in enthusiastic, then it's a no. Um, and they can figure that out on their own or they can find their fuck yes person. But, um, I'm leaning toward that as a initial weeding strategy. So all that said, now I have to figure out how to weed out (laughs) this guy. And then as soon as I figure that out, um, I think returning his car key would be good, but he's not here in in Los Angeles, so there's nothing to do. Um, But 
it appears that just weeding out that would be like a fuck yes for myself. And that's, I think, the tack I want to take. We'll see. Uh, a fully vaccinated <laughs> Jolie is going to be a crazy Jolie. Chapter 23, Vulnerabilities, May 10. Classic car guy's special ringtone sounded. His face appeared on FaceTime. You're free, he asked with a knowing smile. I could fall into that smile. My yes probably came back before he'd even finished his last breath. I'm driving past downtown. I'm going to see a guy about painting my car. Then I'll swing by your place. Can't wait. My heart sang. I closed my laptop and did a little dance around my apartment. Then I texted a friend of mine, a fellow author who's going through a divorce with kids. We traded advice. She helped me navigate divorce stuff. I helped her navigate dating stuff. Her parting shot? Enjoy him. I missed you, honey, were his first words as he came up through my back door. I hugged him a good long time. So good to see you, I said. I also missed that couch of yours, he said, as he pulled me through the hall to the living room. We fell onto the gray leather cushions. I flicked at a white spot in the middle of his black V-neck. What's this? His laugh was hearty. Toothpaste. At least I tried, he said. Then he kissed me, and we stopped talking. When it was obvious that we were done talking, we moved from the living room to my bedroom. There's something about time and distance and perspective that this made this hard to fall into, to enjoy. When he was satisfied, I got up and off and took a shower. Then he did. When he came up fully dressed, he announced he was hungry. Do you have time before you pick up your son from school? I looked at the clock. There was plenty of time. I took him down to a Thai restaurant within walking distance of my apartment. Then my phone started ringing off the hook. That abusive ex I tried to avoid was throwing a tantrum and making a mess that my lawyers were busy trying to clean up. I couldn't ignore them. So I stepped out of the restaurant and took the call for 10 long minutes. Sorry about that, lawyers. I don't know how to get through the awkward times with people. I didn't want to talk about how we weren't gelling just then. So I asked what he was doing that was keeping him so busy. The so busy he couldn't see me part went unspoken. He talked about his sister, whom he drove two hours to see nearly daily. He talked about how he was planning to be this incredible father once he had time with his kids again. He was thinking of moving to Riverside or San Diego so that he could pop in and see his kids for an hour here and there. Maybe he'd buy a house in San Bernardino. He had a lot of thoughts, a lot of plans. I didn't begrudge him those plans, but I didn't really see how we could have any sort of relationship when his priorities lay several counties away. I didn't say that, of course, because cool girls don't point out the obvious. He was in an affectionate mood, so we held hands while we walked the long way back to my apartment. Once inside, I prompted him to sit. I stuck my head in my bedroom closet and pulled out the gifts I brought back from Italy in April. It was the soccer jersey that he'd asked for, the one he'd texted me pictures of, the other was a jersey from my favorite country. These are for you, I said, thrusting the bag at him. I'm shit at wrapping presents, even though I love giving gifts. For me, he asked, his eyes full of surprise. You asked, I delivered, I said. He took them out, his face filling with delight. You didn't have to do this. I didn't expect you to do this. I melted at that. How could this man not think himself worthy of my thought and consideration? 
I hugged him. Then my phone alarm buzzed. Writing can make me lose track of time. So I have an alarm on my phone to make sure I don't forget to pick up my son from school. We both headed out my back door. Once we were at the cars, he grabbed me and kissed me hard. Then he hesitated a moment and looked at a long scar that I have on my elbow. What's that? He said, tracing the puckered flesh with his finger. I took a deep breath, doing everything I could to keep the tears back. When my son had asked me this question when he was two or three, I'd answered honestly. I'd answered honestly every other time my son had asked, but I'd never answered the question when anyone else had asked. I blinked away the tears, and I told the truth. My ex pushed me down the second year we were married. I fell backwards on the concrete driveway, and my elbow split open. He said it was my fault. Across the car guy bent down and kissed the scar, then kissed me. Without any other words, we both got into our cars and pulled away. After eight that night, he texted me. Classic car. Would your ex do that to you often? Me? Often? Not really. My life was all yelling and threats and dangerous driving. I chose to stay way too long, and that's on me. But the behavior continues, only from ten miles away. Classic car. Funny how men do that shit to women, but never pick a fight with a random man. Me? I know. Classic car. Anything ever happens, you call me. Me? Didn't want my kid living like that. Classic car. I'm sorry to hear that. Me? The last weeks are on me. He's prohibited from contact with me, except under very limited circumstances. But I needed to guarantee I could get my kid on a plane. Had to do more than an hour call to get that secured, so I didn't get pulled at the airport. Classic car. Now I understand your worries while you were away. You need anything, I'm here. kind of interesting i had no recollection of that although ironically the car is parked in the space where he was parked um the beauty of having two spaces in a place where there's no parking and i had forgotten that i told him that um you know that guy i <laughs> for me i guess he was a fuck yes for him i was a fuck no because like you know he never turned up and I never, you know, I don't know. I didn't ask why. You know, I guess now, would I ask? I guess I would ask. <laughs> I'm not even sure. But I would like to think that now if a guy, like, didn't turn up, well, obviously, if he stood me up, I would have said no. So we wouldn't have gotten this far. Um, but if he kept saying, oh, I want to see you, but never could, I guess I'd ask why that was. Or would I just cut him off? I don't know, I might ask because I'm nosy like that and I love to hear what people have to say. I mean, it's a bunch of excuses and none of it probably true, but it's always interesting to hear that stuff. Um, but I would make a different decision now. See? <laughs> I would make a different decision. I feel liberated. Um, I think that's the first time I'd ever told anybody about that. If people ever ask me about that scar, I'm not what really sure I said. I think I probably told a version of the truth, which is I got it playing basketball. But um, the thing about my ex is that he can't lose games. So if you play like Monopoly with him or anything, he cheats. Oh my God, it's so awful. So like, you know, in addition to not driving with him and a whole list of other things they couldn't do with him, I could also never play like board games or computer games or anything that was competitive. Because if he lost, he lost his shit. And if, 
he could, he would just cheat. He cheated at everything. Actually, we, I had the worst experience. Um, me, my ex, and my kid, we were biking. Um, my kid was like, I don't know. It was right before I left, so he was eight. And um, I knew I was leaving, but we were on vacation because I went on like three vacations before I left. Crazy, horrible, horrible, horrible. And anyway, we we're um, on vacation, so we were biking. And um, at the time, my eight-year-old was all into like racing and beating me. So like before my ex got there, uh, my kid and I were like just running around. And like he was like, "Mommy, I'm gonna beat you. I'm gonna beat you. Let's have races." So we had been doing that for weeks. Um, and the kid, honestly, because you know, full of kid energy, could beat me while I was still like futzing around, like putting my foot on the pedals. But neither here nor there. Um, so my ex got there and, uh, we all get on bikes and, um, my kid's like, daddy, you know, mommy and I've been racing. You should join the race. Right. So, you know, the eight year old has like done this path before he knows where the potholes are, where like the tree branches like fall to avoid like where the rocks are or the gravel like has come up out of the pavement or whatever, or the tarp, uh, of the street and um so so this is basically it was a street in a city park so it's generally like doesn't have cars but every so often there's either there's usually government cars or one of those carts where people use to clean up uh garbage bags so we're biking i don't know weekday i mean just innocuous and my kid takes off and i'm like it's like maybe like a half mile this little thing we used to race and I was like, well, here we go. He's going to win. At which point my ex, realizing that my kid is going to win, screams out to my kid, hey, watch it. There's a car. So I freak out because I'm thinking, I didn't see a car. My kid's going to get hit by a car. I mean, he's got a helmet. But I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, car versus bike and car versus eight-year-old. That's like a shit show. So I'm freaking out. I'm looking around. I don't see a car. My kid, like, like tries to stop and he's not that good because these are the, this is the first bike he had with gears and like front brakes and so he like skids and then like does the thing where you like flop over to the side because he didn't quite manage the stop right and you know my kid's upset and he's like where's the car i'm really sorry i didn't see it i know you've been telling me about cars and i don't really look and god knows he still does that and my ex looks around and goes i was just kidding at which point he takes off so he can win the race that's the kind of guy he was and, um, so, uh, that's how I got the scar on my elbow because I almost beat him at a game and he lost his shit and it didn't change over any years. I just stopped playing games. Um, I didn't obviously anticipate the harm to my kid, but, um, here we are. Well, this took a turn or as my kid would say, that got dark. So, um, I'll leave you. Uh, maybe next week will be more fun. I'm Jolie Moore, and this has been 51st Dates, the podcast. If you enjoyed listening, I hope you'll share, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts. It will help others find the craziness that is dating in Southern California. Also, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you'd like to read ahead, my memoir, 51st Dates, is available wherever books are sold. A link is always included in the show notes. I'm also a romance writer. If you want to know more about my books, please visit joliemore.com for more information. 
You can also follow me on Instagram at xojoliemoore and on all social media at the same handle, xojoliemoore. Thanks for listening, and I'll be in your ears next week.